Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and all our Harlem family, welcome, welcome to your very own podcast. all welcome back to another episode of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast harlem's very own featuring as always your two magnanimous co-hosts i am justin winley aka todoroki tomcat aka brother soulstone aka the bard of harlem joined as always by my boy Yo, what's up? It's Judah, aka count nigula aka black king aka damn yo craig <laughs> We are we are joined today um, by two lovely ladies from another podcast, just two opinionated. Uh, I'll let them go ahead and introduce themselves. Okay, um, I'm Zuhair, aka Grad School Hottie, aka Barb's Menar, um, aka <laughs> Political Baddie, aka I'm Done. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very Not good. Thank political. you for joining us, Zuhair. And next? Um, I'm Ollie, a.k.a. West Coast Shoddy, a.k.a. Dog Mom, a.k.a. Instaready. Very nice, very nice. I'd like to just point out a, a fun fact for our listeners that we have the name Ali represented three times over in this conversation because I believe it is both the middle names of Zuhair and Jude, yeah. and then it's oh. Ali's actual first name. So. Yeah. Fun fact. I mean, my middle name is Khalil. So there's kind of like an Ali there, but it's not the same. Um, so you yourself relevant. Did oh, <laughs> <laughs> you see that? I tried really hard. Um, so, yes, these two ladies are from the Just Too Opinionated podcast. Um, I know Zuhair from Pace University. Our paths crossed very briefly before you graduated. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. And uh, and what they can expect from it, um, how where they can find you, you know. Let's get your plug in early. We don't want to wait till the end because I'll forget it. It's happened before. Let's get our plug in early. I love this energy. Okay, y'all. <laughs> so just too opinionated um, was an idea by Ollie, and she came to me and was like, "Let's start a podcast." And I always felt like I should have done something politically public. And I never did. And I think this was like a really easy way for Ali and I to get our opinions across mm-hmm. um, in just like a really fun way and interactive way. Um, and to talk about different topics every week, historically, politically, on policy. So like it's been really fun so far. And y'all can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at J-S-T-T-O-O and Twitter at J-U-S-T-T-O-O underscore. And how often do you release? Is it weekly? It's weekly. Very nice. We're quicker than y'all. Yeah. Every Friday, I do. Pay That's true. That's true. No, I, I, um, I, I had a feeling that um, we would be a good crossover. Obviously, we're doing this in the wake of the presidential election of 2000 uh, the year of our law, law 2020 <laughs> um, and um 
yeah, we thought it would be great to bring in, you know, uh, not only two other people, but two women um, to kind of educate us and the listeners about different things and just, uh, you know, have hopefully a mostly friendly conversation. Um, I remember early on when Jude and I were talking about how we were going to come back for season four, we were mulling over the idea of having like a pre-debate, a pre-election debate, like getting people from different sides of the spectrum to come and talk about things. But I was like, I I think that could get messy with this particular election because it's so divisive already. And also like, you know, I didn't want to lose my cool. So I was like, let's try to let's wait and see how the election goes. Either way, though, we knew that we wanted to talk to y'all. I guess starting out, I want to know a little bit. I'm curious, were both of you political science majors at Pace or were you doing things that were kind of around politics? Yeah, we both are poli-sci majors. um, And we kind of linked up from our friend, um, Jay, who like left. And then I kind of like joined her friend group because I was like all lonely. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Got you, got you. I took Ali in as a refugee. As a refugee. (laughs) (laughs) You're a pretty liberal immigration policy there. Um, So, and Zuhair, are you the only one in grad school right now? Or are you both? I'm the only one in grad school. Ali says hell no to the idea. Yeah, I was done. Finished. I understand. I understand that. Um, so walk walk us through. Jude, we'll start with you, man. I mean, and then we'll, we'll get around to our guests. But um, what I, what was your election week experience like? Did you did you get early voting in? Did you like? Nah. Because I fucked up doing um, mail-in voting. I mm. didn't put it in the right envelope, but I didn't think about it correctly. I thought, crap. So then I was like, you know what, let me just like take it in and do my thing and just go on the day of the election. I got to jump the line because some weird thing in my building just was like, yo, you live in this building, so you can go right ahead. I'm like, I bet. And, you know, I voted and I was terrified the whole day. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I went to my girlfriend's house. I deleted Instagram. I deleted Facebook. I deleted Google. <laughs> I deleted any sorts of information I could get <laughs> during this time. And I was like, I'm getting my onesie. Baby, making me some burgers and fries. We're watching Coco and I'm smoking weed and I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm thinking like, you know what? I'm just going to wake up to, to whatever the hell is going to happen. That's just how I'm going to wake up. I wake up at like 11 o'clock. I check my phone. Download everything again. I'm like, all right, this should be a new president by now. And then I'm like, wait. Hadn't been decided yet. We're still counting voice, votes. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we're doing now? Yeah. I was petrified. I, I, I hurt I hurt inside. Yeah, yeah. How did how did you two, um, either of you, Zuhair or Ali, deal with that? Um I mean, did it did it even seem like irregular to you that it was taking so long or like how did you feel about the whole process from from Tuesday till what was it Saturday? Saturday, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't think that it was taking a long time because of all the mail-in ballots from like the mm-hmm. Democrat side. But also, me and Zoo just had total different approaches. Like she was watching so much like politics and like the news and all that, and I was just like on Twitter looking for memes, like. <laughs> 
definitely wasn't that kind of nigga. like <laughs> yeah like in my head i was not like worried like for some reason there was this like way back when this all started there was this white like professor who was like i predicted every election right like i know joe biden's gonna win and as soon as i heard that my brain was like okay he's president and like i just didn't worry about it mm. like i just tuned everything out i was like he's president like that's it and then i called it on our podcast too if you listen like a week before i think I was just like, yeah, he's president. That's fine. And Zoo was still worried. But yeah, I was just chill. Zoo, was that a mischaracterization or were you really? I feel out? like that's a drag. And a <laughs> um, go listen to the episode, please. He said, so half of it was true. The first half was like, the only thing that I watched was the news. And like, literally the only thing I watched for 72 hours was the news. Mm. I like from Tuesday night, I didn't watch a single thing. I didn't watch reality TV and I love my reality TV. So it was very hard for me Mm -hmm. um, to miss that. I will say the only reason I felt hesitant was because of like, Joe Biden had a black woman as his VP Mm -hmm. and the both of them don't appeal to like youth voters generally um and white supremacy is a thing in this country that like I immediately thought like white people would 100% pull out Mm. for Donald Trump like it like it is what it is like I really thought that they were so mad that she could become a vice president after what happened to Barack Mm -hmm. um that I was like it's clipped like why would he not like there's a real chance that he could win again and everyone keeps acting like it's this smooth landslide and it wasn't a landslide. So Yeah. Yeah. I was right. Please <laughs> come for me more. I appreciate it. Please. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I I think um something that you said, Jude, is uh it was kind of similar to an experience I had. I mean, when I was filling out my absentee ballot, I did everything right, but I, I sent it in October twelfth which wasn't after like, we started seeing things on social media. Like if you sent your ballot in after the 20th, like it's not going to be counted. I don't know whether or not that's actually true, but I sent mine in on, um, on the 12th, you know, uh, indigenous people's day or Columbus day, depending on the type of person you are. And, um, and I, (laughs) I thought I was good, but my parents, they, they had signed theirs and they went to drop them off in person and their, uh, their names were like when you got when you went on vote.nyc their names were popping up and mine wasn't so they were like you should you know email and check and see what the what the situation is um so i called them i wound up calling them and i got some lady on the phone after forever and i was like hey like yeah i sent in a ballot i'm just curious like i sent it in on the 12th it's now you know october 21st or whatever i'm wondering why it wouldn't be why I wouldn't be in the record yet. You know, I mean, actually it was probably later than that. It was closer to, I think this was like near Halloween. And, um, and she said, yeah, we've just, it's cause we've received over a million absentee ballots this year. And I was like, that is, that is a lot of counting to do. Um, so she said, if you, I mean, we will get to it, but if you don't feel comfortable, you can go in person, you know, you have this weekend to do it. Um, so I wound up going up to the, to Washington Heights and uh, very quickly got my vote in. Um, But it made me think the whole time about how Trump was definitely trying to upset the concept of mail-in voting. And he was sowing a lot of kind of paranoia about it, which is something he does very well. Um, And I think that leads well into Jude, the question that you had about, you know, the government and its citizens Mm -hmm. and and trust between them, if you want to ask that, you know. Yeah, because, like, I have, especially my um, 
girlfriend and a lot of people in my in our communities have a real mistrust of the government and i think it's sad you know there are also you know some of them are not you know college educated you know it shouldn't be a, a major factor but it is you know i feel like no matter how old you are what education you have you should be able to trust you know certain things you know and it's just sad that we're not able to do that so i want to know is how we can mend that relationship between a government and its people um i, I like i want to okay i feel like you're right to not trust this government because i hold on yeah like i feel like you shouldn't trust this government like i feel like in theory yes you should be able to trust your government like they're the people who are making like laws and like they affect your life and whatever but like at the end of the day these people are actors they don't even believe the stuff that they're saying half of the time like they do it because of power and i i just don't think that there will be a time well, personally i don't think that there will be a time where i would fully ever trust this government either like i don't trust anything that they say like that's why on our podcast we say like google is free because you need to google and fact check and look up everything that they're telling you because even when you look at the education system when you look at healthcare when you look at so many things that the government has its hands in it's just like trash like it's literally like skewing you and straying you away from being a productive citizen which they claim is what they're trying to do but it's like mm-hmm. they don't want you to think for yourself they don't want you to ask questions they just want you to memorize answers and then get a job and die and like work and that's it so i just feel like no you should not trust this government as terrible as that sounds you just shouldn't not blindly at least not blindly mm-hmm. do your research yeah zoo i i think i'm a little less like don't trust the government than ali um cuz i'd like to think that there's aspects of it that we can trust um I've worked in the city's office for New York City like under an internship and I saw a lot of things that like needed to be fixed but I saw a lot of things that went well but wasn't properly um executed. So it was like we have a good intention but it's being done wrong. I think one thing that Ali touched on that I want to expand further is like oh the concept of like education, healthcare and all these things like things that the government has their hands tied in. There's a Rolling Stone article that I don't remember the name of, but I think it's like six things where like the United States government like and just the United States in general like completely lacks in and is like considered underdeveloped like to tie to like third world countries cuz it's so poorly handled. Um that like you can on the outside you can claim to be like this pretty little thing, but like interior like your ass. Um mm-hmm. And that's my it's my spiel. Mm-hmm. This this level of uh, distrust for the government is also connected to voter disenfranchisement, right? And so, where do you think that like those things should be separated? Because it's difficult to, on one hand, say, "All right, like the government is comprised of of people with agendas, individuals with agendas, and agendas change," and so. Um, you know, there are there are powers that uh, there are powers at play that, you know, people you'll never hear about and then secret money and all this stuff that's like at the upper echelon that are actively and actually controlling things at the end of the day versus the actual efficacy of political action 
and and an independent like um political motivation right how do you how do you balance those things yeah i feel like if you do partake in voting and things of that nature you need to hold the person that you elected accountable because Mm -hmm. they are working for you and i feel like that's what people fail to realize like you can literally call any city official any governor you can email them you can have meetings with them like you can really like make change but i feel like people think it just thinks it just stops at voting and it doesn't like voting is just the beginning. Like once you have your person in office, you mm-hmm. need to make sure that they're voting in the way that you see fit or the way that benefits your community. And if they don't, you need to let them know because they're going to run again and they're going right. to need your vote. And if they didn't do a good job, let them know like, Hey, like I'm a constituent, you did X, Y, Z. And this is why I'm not voting for you. And you can either get behind somebody else. You can run yourself. Like there's a lot of things that I feel like, people don't know that you can do, but like right. voting is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it, it lends itself to that saying, right. That ignorance is bliss, you know, not just for the individual who doesn't know, but also for the people who capitalize off of that ignorance. Right. It's like, if there's a general ignorance, then I can happily get away with whatever I want. But the minute more people become educated and i think that will be a word that we use a lot when we're talking today um then the harder it is for people to get away with stuff jude <laughs> you've raised a hand yeah, nah, like, yeah my bad now nah, because my brain is turning and i want to say this right i don't want to you know i i don't want to sound ridiculous but it just reminds me of um because i had this theory back when i was in um bmcc i was taking a poli sci class and there was this something about aristotle saying we should not like rich people should not be able to vote. Not because of their money, but because of how much they're working. And they also said women couldn't vote because of, you know, motherhood or whatever. Fine, just get that H shit out the way. But just to the working part, just to the working part, I feel like we also work way too much and people are too tired and then they don't want to educate themselves. Right. You know, they're exhausted. They're mentally and phys- physically exhausted from doing their jobs, feeding their families, getting home, just wanting to relax, wanting to, um, oh my God. I have decompress. Thank you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> decompress or play with their children. And we do not have the opportunity to educate ourselves because we work so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think it's like, there's, there is all of this baggage and this like effort attached to the idea of voting every year or every, every four years. Cause let's be honest, that's how most people think of it. You know, even though there's other elections to, you know, yeah, like uh, midterms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Biannually and stuff. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> it is, that's something that you have to contend with. Um, and I think, yeah, that all of this leads into the one, one of the things I want to talk about zoo. I want to, I want to uh, lob this at you. Um, so we, we hear a lot, every presidential election about the black vote. And sometimes, you know, you substitute that for the Latino vote, um, you know, but usually it's it's directed at black people, um, definitely always directed at communities of color. Um, I'm curious how much you can speak to the history of this of this idea of the black vote and like the and the help versus harm of it. Right. Because it's a very monolithic term, like even hearing it as as much as as much, I guess, pride sometimes as I get at like how 
valued this thing is. It's the black vote is like an infinity stone. Like if you get, you put it in the gauntlet and you can snap and elect whoever you want. Right. So, but then there's also like, clearly not all black people think the same. Right. So is it harmful to have this concept? Do you, and, and, and where did it come from and, and should we work to redefine it or, or what are your thoughts about that idea? Um, so I believe it's called voter capture theory and Ali can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> we got a finger from it. <laughs> um, so voter capture theory um, is this concept um, that was created by politicians in power and um, political scientists that looked at the angles of which like different groups of people primarily voted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the things is like, if you look at, most of the time voter capture theory is highlighted primarily in like a presidential race. Like that's the most of the time that we hear it. Um, and the concept of like doing no harm, I think like the, like the concept of itself, like even the name of it is like really like harmful, like mm-hmm. voter capture. It's like, Oh, I'm capturing that the average black person in America is going to vote for a Democrat. Like it is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and then if you go down to like the minute things of like where someone lives, like they talk about the Latino vote, most Latinos like out in South Florida are going to vote for Trump because they ran away from communism and socialism and they're scared of that repeating within the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, I I think that it came in the 60s, if I'm not wrong, like once actual like black people got the right to vote in the country. Um, and as other groups of people started voting in large numbers, um, I will say, I think that political analysts especially have to like let go of it but they're not going to right like Mm. they're gonna say the youth vote the women vote black women black people latinos like they're gonna keep going and going because like that's how they signify like who's gonna win and who's not gonna win that's how they can do projections like that's how they're able to do their jobs and we're Uh, a very demographically minded country. country yes so it's like i don't think we're ever gonna let go of how we like analyze and like look at these things because it's like, then you have to let go of the concept of demographics and they're not going to do that. Right. 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 So it's like, it's like maybe you can think of a different term instead of voter capture theory, but like, I don't see it ever changing. That's really interesting. I hadn't, I had never heard that, that term. Go ahead, Ali. Um, Just to add on to that, also, just the structure of how our party system works. Also, because when you talk about voter capture theory, you have to realize, like, the they have the vote, but because they know they have the vote in the bag, Black people's needs are not met, and they're not going to meet their needs. So our two-party system basically is structured to push, push aside the Black vote because they know, like, Democrats know that they have it, so they do not, not to say, like, they don't pander to us or like come around because obviously they do like even Trump went to that one black church and then he like got black votes but like in reality when it comes to what they're going to do in office they know that they don't have to to move upon black issues and the only way like to get rid of that is to risk the white vote because if you neglect white people and their feelings then you can like because if you try to move upon black needs your white vote and non-black votes goes down and like um 
some mayor in Louisiana, he was like the first mayor. At first he pandered, like he got the white vote, he captured their vote, and then he flipped it on his next um like election. He only catered to the black vote. And then his his um like his numbers or whatever, like he still won, but like his numbers went down tremendously with white people. And it just shows like them little black squares and them like hearing us and seeing us really doesn't mean anything when we start to step into the room and have our needs being met as well. Yeah. Good, Jude. Where do um Asian folks and um uh yeah, Asian folks, I'm concerned Indians and uh, middle Middle Eastern folks uh fall under you know, black votes, white votes, where do they kind of fall under this top? Um, I'll take it. So I think Asian people generally in this country fall under the model minority structure. Um, so they're, they fall under the concept that like, they're not there to make any waves. They're just there to do their jobs and go to school and to like live a normal life and like kind of blend into white people. Like that's, that's what an, a good Asian in this country looks like. Quote unquote. Quote unquote good. Like that's you know, that's just, the ideal concept within like American exceptionalism is that like Asian people can blend in better with white Americans versus any other race. Um when we talk about like Middle Eastern people, Southeast Asian, I feel like there's not enough data on them. Um and I don't know why I'm there's not, not enough. Oh, you already don't know why. I, no, I, I don't, I don't know why. I, I would it. love to know why. <laughs> I would love to know why. Maybe Ali has that on them, but I don't have any. I, I don't think I've ever seen a focus on them because I don't think they create waves politically. So I think because they don't create waves politically, like people aren't as concerned about them versus like a majority black vote, right? Like a majority black vote can swing you out left. Yeah. Where it's like, a non like if you don't get the black vote like obama didn't win because he didn't get the black vote like it's like that's what would have happened right mm. so they don't create waves so we don't care about them politically and that sucks to say yeah yeah <laughs> but like it might be the truth okay. yeah. it will it will it, it 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 also speaks to something that i that i was curious about as far as um as i always say that like you know probably the most forgotten group of people is indigenous Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, like without, like almost without a doubt. So when I heard about, yeah, when I heard about them, you know, like about indigenous voters in certain uh, counties across the country, I was like, yeah, wow. Like that's like, I, I wonder so much about, political action within indigenous communities because you don't even there aren't even a lot of indigenous politicians you know that i can that i could name offhand um and uh and that is you know that's one of the great um obviously one of america's first crimes just as far as like the the nation that that it is but um you looked like you wanted to say something after what ali said earlier zoo before jude asked about um Asian people. If you can't remember, it's fine because I I cannot remember it. <laughs> that's cool because I was going to draw a connection. Um, you know, when you mentioned how a lot of uh, um, Latino immigrants are, you know, they have a history um, with communist socialist um, rule that they're that they're kind of running away from. It reminded me, Jude, of when we were discussing uh, the whole Masvidal thing. Minor? 
Yeah, Hard yeah. So there's that, yeah. this UFC fighter, if neither of our guests know, um, Jorge Masvidal, who is Cuban-American. He's from Florida, mm-hmm. and he was campaigning for Trump. And, um, you know, uh, Jude and I were talking about it. And, and Jude, you well, you can explain what you were talking about. Yeah, just we, like we were talking about it, and then I saw him on like i started seeing ads of him and trump on youtube but i saw him on his twitter at a rally i was like word but then i thought about it and i was like well he's cuban his father or mother escaped you know castro's regime and was like fuck this socialist shit fuck this Mm -hmm. we're out of here we're coming to america to make our money and be free you know free from this regime and you know accumulate as much as we can you know to give a better life to our kids you know and then he just goes into you know this Trump mode, and then he finds himself in um in a where where he trains with a bunch of other Trump supporters with a right. guy who literally walked around with you know the mag hat, hat you know in the really ugly suits just on his you know whole Trump wave and taking pictures with Trump all the time. So he's just in those environments. But I wasn't surprised when I like really like thought about that. Oh, he's in this environment. And then he, you know, his parents came from this country. Yeah, like it makes sense. That's probably where his head is at. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm curious. Um, Ali, we'll circle back to you. Um, we, uh, John Oliver said something really interesting when he was talking about the election. Um, I like to watch John Oliver every now and then. I, I, I enjoy. I know a lot of people are like, I don't watch comedians so that you can t- give me your political opinions. But I'm like, at least I know how these guys feel like i know like you know sometimes i like to watch unbiased stuff but also it's like if i want to get knowledge with a dose of entertainment you know i don't mind popping on colbert or, or or whoever but john oliver was talking about the the complicated identity of america and he was talking about how kamala, uh, kamala harris excuse me is make she's a lot of firsts right as as pre- vice president elect and she's this one of those is well, she's a second as well. She's the second black person, so to speak, in the White House, if you're not counting like the entire Obama family. And in between those two people, we elected a white supremacist. Right. Um, or at least at the very least, someone who tolerates it, which is not all that different. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, both of these both of these are America, you know, because we have different people living in this country and there is there has been a uh a, uh for a long time an inability to you know eradicate some of those more hateful aspects of it but the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because is it is it possible for y'all um and ali you know just i want to hear from you first to balance being happy for the historic nature of kamala harris being first black woman first south asian woman you know, you know, as a vice president in the White House with also feeling a way about her record as a prosecutor with also feeling a way about American um, supremacy at large? Like, do you find yourself able to give all of those feelings space or do you find that you are kind of only one way about her or another? I feel like I'm really biased. Like, I'm from California, so I was never rocking with her, like, to Mm. begin with. Like, she was never going to be like, oh, my God, this Black woman, like, phenomenal, whatever. But it's like, I just feel like it's really sad that in 2020, like, 
this is the first like why are we having so many firsts in 2020 like I don't think that that's like amazing like yeah like what she did was like a huge accomplishment whatever but it's just like I still like I don't I don't rock with her like I'm happy for her like yes like that's great but it's just like and because I know she's a snake like I just I don't trust her he's not like super leftist like he's more of a moderate like I just don't I don't not to say I don't care but it's like me and Zoo were talking about it earlier like on our podcast but it's just like my life as a black person honestly is not like nothing has I haven't gained anything from them being in office really like okay we're gonna go back to regular racism now like it's not something that's just like oh my god my life has changed so much like white people's heads it's just like okay now I have to watch my back now because now everybody's like a closeted racist again like racism isn't cool again so like it's okay like cool like she she's great or whatever but it's just like she's not like she's actually not to me personally yeah I'm 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 curious I told you guys before we recorded we started recording today uh, I listened to your your feature on another podcast and um you know, you were you were talking about this, um, and th- you know the sentiment that started prevailing. Um, I think this was Yuzu who were talking about who was talking about. Um, there's a lot of people saying we got to keep up the pressure. Like just because Biden has probably won doesn't mean that the work is done, right? And then you were like, we'll keep that same energy in January, right? So following that train of thought, while while I, I hear what you're saying, Ali, in that like this this election may may wind up not really making much difference for us anyway. And we'll get later to the future because I do want to talk about like political mindsets in terms of like when we elect, when elections happen and all that. But saying all this to say, do you think that we are, we're setting ourselves up to not even try to hold these, these two accountable? Like by, by assuming off the, off the bat that they're just going to keep acting the way that they have for their entire political career. Do you think that we're already inhibiting our own motivation to even try to, you know, um, hold them to the promises that they ran on? Either one of you can. can. This is a depressing ass episode. No, I mean, I, well, that's why I want to ask. Cause I, cause I always say like, I'm, I'm sometimes I can be pessimistic about situations, but I like to be optimistic about people. So like, that's, right. you know, I, I like to, that's what what I'm trying. I don't want this to be like a total downer episode, but whatever whatever we talk about is what we talk about. I'm not trying to steer your opinions. I'm just curious. Um, I'll go. Um, I think that for to answer your first question that you directed to Ali, that I'm going to answer as well. Um, I give her the respect of being the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't align with her politically at all. I think mm-hmm. she makes me very uncomfortable, um, and I don't think her and I will ever be parallels in any sort of universe. Um, But I do think that white people, and I was, and Brie tweeted it on Saturday, I think of like, oh, like racism is over. Like we were saying racism is over because Kamala Harris is now elected. Like it's clear. Like same thing that happened when Barack won that we, there was this post-racial society we thought we'd entered. Yeah. People entered into colorblind racism and they completely, I think like forgot that like, racism still exists and white supremacy is a system of oppression. Um, And I think to answer your second question, I think that I think black people who like 
are doing grassroots work who like understand the political landscape will be more likely just like people in color general will be more likely to hold Joe Biden, Kamala Harris responsible hmm. versus other people who just voted for them for them just to feel better instead of voting for Trump. Right. Like, I hmm. think that people who like and this is not to say that like people don't care about their vote, but I think that people don't know how to hold people responsible mm-hmm. um, in a political like office. And so I think like this is why we say Google's your friend. Like you need to figure out how to get in contact with someone like a Joe Biden. And this may be through your own representative. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I think grassroots workers, I think people that are like in nonprofits would be more likely to hold these people accountable. I think people like Ali and I would hold people accountable. Um but I think people have to create the space to do that. Um, I feel like a lot of people have been like, all right, job's done. Deuce. We're right. good. Um, and so I'm interested to see where the energy will be in January and February. Um, and especially like to see how the Senate flips and see how that's going to impact everything. Yeah, that's another thing to talk about for sure. Um, Ali, if you want to respond. I mean, I agree with what Du said. Like, I feel like Black people and people who are already engaged in politics will definitely hold them accountable. But I think white people, not to keep calling white people out, but white people were so happy. They were so jubilant. Like, we were in D.C. Um, and they were just, like, literally ecstatic. Like they, like, they won, like, the World Cup or something. Like, it was literally ridiculous. And I'm just like, I'm glad your life changed. But it's... I, I don't think that they are thinking they have, like, more to do, as you said. Like, I think they're done. But, yeah, I feel like there are people who are going to hold them accountable. It's just not the masses that were out celebrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it was pretty active um, uh, uptown where I'm at. Um, and, I mean, there are – my neighbor – I've lived – in this same, like, this has been my bedroom for 22 years. I've lived here my entire life. Um, it, the population has changed a little bit. Um, but, uh, so like there are more white people in the neighborhood for sure, but it's definitely still, uh, very like, um, particularly Dominican, um, part of the neighborhood, Hamilton Heights, Harlem, which is like a few blocks down from Washington Heights. And there was a lot of noise <laughs> up here. Uh, it was it was similar to when they were when there was that whole period of time where people were applauding uh, health workers at 7 p.m. every day. They would lean out the window and bang their pots <laughs> and, and do all that. Um, it was it was even louder than that. Jude, was it was it raucous on the east side when you got out of work? Like, did you? Oh, I was I, I got out of work at, out of the Upper East Side and oof, all those nice little white people in those apartments were ring, 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 ring. You never knew. You never know how many people have like farm instruments until there's like stuff. You people get cowbells and tambourines and like xylophones just pulling banjos, just coming out into the street. It's really something. The best thing, the best thing I saw though when I rolled back into Harlem on my bike. I saw a girl blasting music out of a YG out of a car. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, that felt pretty good. Well, that's that's the mood to have. Um, when we when we talk about the future, um, one of the frustrations I kind of have with politics sometimes is like, especially presidentially, is like it seems that every no one is ever thinking longer than four years. 
you know, yeah. like, like four years at a time. And if we get another term, great. But like, I think that's part of why things continue to feel so unstable is that we're on this pendulum, right? Of like, because obviously, well, we all know Trump was a, was was the manifestation of a response to the Obama presidency, um, at least as far as his domestic policy work was concerned. And so, mm-hmm. like, it it stands to reason that after eight years of things being on this side, now we need to have a dramatic swing back to the other way. But it's like it seems like very few people, you know, both in the in the realm of politicians and amongst the citizens are thinking past like the next four years. And so, I mean, how do you guys, how do you guys deal with that? I mean, you know, cause it is obviously there's a sensationalism to the presidential race, especially now that we've had, you know, a, a celebrity as the yeah. president, you know. But also we don't focus enough on smaller elections, you know, right. yeah. congressmen and, or um, our city representatives, mayors, Governors, even so, here's, uh, so here's doing rap hands, hands right now. <laughs> folks, people, you know, there's not enough emphasis on local politicians. Yeah, you know, like I don't know who my representative is in my district. Just off top, it's messed up. I should know. So you can jump in if you like. I mean, just on this concept, because I, I know you, you do. He had my, stuff. he literally, he had, I was like, yes, keep going. And then he was like, I don't know my district. And I was like, you lost it. You lost <laughs> it. You lost, like, damn it, man. Look. Dude, who knows? You could run for city council someday, man. It could be. I have a friend. I have a, a, a friend, actually, who is about to do that. He's, he's gearing up for a run because the minimum age is 18. I'm sorry, I got her. Diana Ayala. Oh, I know her. You saw her at the coffee shop? Not Not at the coffee shop. I at my GD program. She came and spoke. She's one of our um, councilwomen. She's actually very fantastic. She actually worked with my mother. My mother and her did, um, they did, uh, like, uh, You worked with your mom and you still didn't know who your congressperson was. Give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't work together like day to day they had a an event a thing mm-hmm. for um, um the medication to uh stop an overdose oh okay yeah so it was a small thing like that to help a- a- administrate the drug to fight an, an overdose to help yeah someone. yeah i have the uh, equipment in my house actually yeah that's important that's a that's a big thing um and stuff like that is cool like when when you know politicians especially at the local level, you know, they set up events that are relevant to the issues within their community. You know, it, it obviously shows that you're, that you don't, cause I think, I think maybe another thing that stops people from connecting to politics or politicians is that there's, there's this instant um, idea of like ambition. Right. So it's like, as soon as someone gets into politics you're thinking like, oh, you're you want to be president someday or whatever. And there are legitimately some people who just want to be city councilman, just want to be comptroller, just want to be mayor, whatever. And that's it. And they're not thinking about it. But I, I, I do think that that is something that challenges our ability to reach out sometimes to our local um, representatives, is because we think that inevitably there's going to be a use um, that happens of like our 
and that they're going to take advantage of us. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to say, don't allow your like representatives to feel comfortable that they can run up in the system um, and they can run for president because there's a complacency with that. Right. It's like, oh, like I voted for them. They felt too comfortable doing their job. So they're going to go to be a senator now because I let it get there. Right. And Mm. so I'm not going to sit here and say that every person is responsible, but I think like this is like beating the horse of like, you need to hold these people responsible. So it's like, if they're doing a crappy job, run a smear campaign on them, right? Like go on Twitter, call them out, like do what you need to do. Like you could put posters up everywhere. There's a freedom to protest. Like there's so many ways of how you can control the narrative on who somebody is that people aren't willing to do the effort because it's not easy and there's a lot of burnout with political advocacy that no one mm-hmm. like the flip side of that like that no one talks about um and it's so hard because like you have veteran people that have like been in political advocacy work and grassroots works for decades that are like completely burnt out but they know that like who's the next person that's going to willingly take that spot from them um and put in the same effort as them um so that's that's my piece on that yeah that's important And to jump on that, there's like, um, exposing my location, but there's this Instagram page, like from back home, it's called 209 times. And they literally hate my mayor. Like they hate him so much. Every single post, if there's a fire, if there's a car in the middle of the freeway, they literally like say like, it's his fault. So all these people now, because he had to run, obviously literally like think he's like the worst person. Like he does nothing. They like, twist anything he says they have pictures of him like during quarantine like at a liquor store like buying something <laughs> and they were like oh didn't you just have a dui like da, 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 da. like they yikes go in yikes on him, so. yeah yikes <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't even buying alcohol which is the crazy part like if you look at the counter it wasn't like there was no alcohol but anyway and now he literally like lost the election like now we have like this republican mm-hmm who doesn't want our city to be a sanctuary city. Like he wants to deport. It's like a whole thing, but they got what they wanted because as you said, like they held him accountable and like ran a smear campaign for since like the day he got elected, like they started this page and it's like known everywhere. Like it's basically a terrorist organization. They show up to his events. They hand out pamphlets and flyers. Like, yeah, hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. And that's a way to do it using social media. Zooming out for a second uh, now from from domestic stuff to yeah big picture big picture stuff uh, to, to foreign affairs um, oh, uh, you know I know zoo I you have um, you know well I, all of us you know every now and again especially throughout quarantine there would be stuff that passed through our timelines you know everything that's going on in Nigeria I believe with SARS um, you know is one thing and then uh, Tigray am I pronouncing that right? It's pronounced Tigray. Tigray. Um, yeah, there's there's um, a situation going on there that you can take time to to, to talk about if you like. Um, but you know, we hear like one of the one of the oldest pieces of rhetoric of political rhetoric is that America is the leader of the free world, right? And that we, ha- <laughs> and as Zuhair sticks <laughs> a gun in her mouth, um, we obviously, you know, America, I. Ironically, is also one of the youngest um, countries in the world as far as like an actual established government and and, and stuff like that. But um, 
we've tried to establish ourselves as as the front runner in a lot of things. And I'm curious what y'all feel like actually now, like like not even just thinking about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because they'll come and go, but like as we as we just move forward in general, like as a as a sort of global and increasingly global community, what do you feel is America's like actual position? And what is our, what is our, like I said, like you can think of it as responsibility. You can think of it as debt, but what are like, what are the things that America should be doing that we, that we haven't been in order to be like, you know, a better um, global partner. And Zuhair, you can take this first because, you know, I know that you're very, internationally minded not to say that ali isn't i just i see it more with suhair i don't know <laughs> <laughs> ali is the dog on your bed right now yes there he is <laughs> okay that's so funny that you called me internationally minded um no but i do think that american exceptionalism um and militarism and imperialism continuously allows america to do what they've been doing mm. um I think that part of it has to be like the military needs to be removed. I don't think we need to have a military. And that's very ex- quote on extremist of me to say to an average American that like militaries should be ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Yeah. Because, because of terrorism and other things that I feel like America has, has created. So, <laughs> of course. but like to, you know, I don't know, some white dude that's going to like stumble on this podcast and be like, what? What'd she say? So to the white boy that's listening to this podcast, um, I just want you to know that militarism is the root of why a lot of issues internationally have continued to exist. The war in the Middle East should never have happened. Um, I (laughs) at least like snapping your fingers, but the United States... I hate to say this, but the United States will rue the day that they come in, that they realize the mistakes that they made in the Middle East and how long they've made the mistakes. Um, they've Donald Trump specifically is like laid in bed with terrorists um, and with dictators abroad. Um, and those consequences will come in Joe Biden's administration. Um, and we'll see the fall of that, those things. I just think in general, like Internationally, America has to do better domestically in order to hold people accountable internationally. And until people call out these people domestically, you cannot do the same thing. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's beating up a dead horse of like, oh, we think we're the best, but you have a lot of problems internally that continue to allow to hide under this mirror image of like, we're the best. We're an immigrant's dream. People are suffering in this country. People are dying more than ever. People are hung. People are hungry. Like I cannot explain enough how much of a humanitarian crisis is going on in the United States. But they will never admit that, right? They'll just send their humanitarian aid workers abroad. Why? Why would they do that? Because I'm sorry, this is big. Why, guys? No, no, but, no, no, no. But... You're not. The thing is, is like, it's important to ask those questions, right? But like, the thing is, is like. If we admit we need help, we're no longer the people that can come and help you. Like, that's how that's how it's seen. It's like this exceptionalism of we're the best. We've been created. We've had nothing. And we came up to the top. We're a war power. We have nuclear weapons. Right. Like we have and a happened, booming economy. This happened after all. Like this whole idea happened after like World War Two. Yes, especially so. OK. Yeah. So why? 
they have we have this worldview. I'm not saying we as in the four of us or black folks. I'm saying we as you know the United States. We have this worldview of us being the best or whatever. Why is it so hard though to like look back inwards as a country? Like, are people ashamed? Like, thoroughly ashamed? Because like, as just a person for myself, I have this view of myself where I think I'm the fucking man sometimes. And then it's hard to, like, look inward at myself and be like, damn, I'm ashamed. Like, I remember, like, I had this view of myself when I was a little kid, and then I bullied somebody. And then I went back and thought about it. I'm, like, deeply ashamed. And then you have to confront that. How can the country confront that internal shame of slavery, um, uh, the deep, the complete deportation. The prison industrial life. complex, the school to prison pipeline, white system. The Asian uh, Exclusion Act, mm-hmm. uh, the slaughtering of Native Americans and the, frac- the fracking in the country. Uh, shit, even animal rights, stuff that's going on, like overfishing things, uh, climate change. How, like, why is it so hard to like, look internally inward, but then project outwards and then be like, we're sending a McDonald's meal to some kid in Africa. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, I'm curious. I I just, and I, and I do want to hear what Zhu and and Ali have to say about this, because I think that's a great, that's a great question, Zhu. Um, This is, this is real meaty, but I think it's like, America is an experiment. It really is. And, and, and the experiment was to see, it was like a bad version of the Avengers. It was like, how many different kinds of people can we bring together, you know, and create a unified identity. And that's always going to be difficult because we're all different. And even within, even within countries that are largely homogenous, I mean, cause as soon as you mentioned abolishing the military, I thought of Japan, right. Who are not. Japan did that? We no, we did that to them. We said you're not allowed to have a military anymore. Which oh I, shit! Yeah, after World War II, um, and after the bombings at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, yeah, after we we dropped hellfire on them, we were also like, you're not allowed to have a military. They can have like I think some sort of small like like a coast guard, national guard equivalent, but yeah, they can't have a military. So, but even in countries like that that are extremely homogenous. There's still obviously different and small. There's still obviously difference of opinion. Um, so it, how much more so within America? And and I think the the reason, Jude, that we see a lot of issues confronting our our sins, if you will, or our wrongdoings as a nation, is because not everybody has the same idea of what we did being wrong. I mean, even when you look at something as simple as slavery, right? Like there were there were people whose families built their fortune from slavery. And then there were people whose families were enslaved. And those are two different cultural memories at war with each other. So that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to be like, you know, I mean, you would think it shouldn't be, but that's why, because like America inherently has always had, you know, and it does oftentimes come down to, you know, white and black, Caucasian, African-American, whatever. But it's always had those warring philosophies. And of course, yeah. Zoo? Um, I will say America has, as, as Justin just said, um, like a history of policing people. Um, police, like just the concept of policing and controlling people is within like the buildings of this country. Um, 
of what I know to date, there are 36 countries that do not have a standing military at all. Um, and they seem successful for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. But I think a country that has made themselves as exposed um, as the United States can't, people will say they cannot afford to not have a military. I mean, too many enemies. Too many enemies. Um, and I think, and I think that like, I, I wonder if America was just like, we're going to go into a circle now and like, kind of like reevaluate. I feel like, but that's very like rainbows and unicorns of me to think that. And I'm not, I don't want to think that, but like, I think that like the only way that like people um, can really like look back and reflect on everything that's been done um, is that like, we need people that understand and under like look at history and look at the impact of historical policies to modern day um so like when people are talking about like the impact of the 1994 crime bill what has it done today um so it's like we have to look back at what choices were made prior to that have allowed us to be the way that we are right now and people have to like willingly accept their wrongdoings and accountability i don't know if joe biden has ever taken like i know he says it like, I know he says, like, I admit my wrongdoings in the 94 crime bill. I don't know if he means it. <laughs> and that's the thing with politicians. Sometimes you don't know if they ever really mean what they say or say what they mean. Right. Um, and I think that's like part of the gamble with politics. Sometimes it's like. Am I really going to trust you to be honest and truthful um, about the words that you're committing to do to protect me or protect whoever? Um but yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it's really hard. Like, it's really, I think, I don't think America as a whole will ever generally look back and think of all the things they've done wrong, because then they would need a wide mirror and a long mirror. Um, mm. And I don't think, I think generations of people are not willing to do that, especially like, say, like, the grandparents of like, World War, like, one and two, right? Like, they were like, yeah. we went and we bombed them because they were threatening us right like mm -hmm. but i'm like you didn't need to do two bombs you didn't need to do two bombs on people right like that's you didn't need to do a nuclear bomb you can just like, go, yo stop it <laughs> but this is why like people are emphasizing now like the importance of like peacekeepers and like studying conflict re resolution and conflict studies because like then you can go in as a representative of somebody yeah. or of a nation and talk on behalf of them and figure out like what your opposing side wants or needs and how to make a compromise. And, and, and that's the thing, right? And Ali, I want to get you into, but um, like, regardless of how I feel about the military itself, because that's something I still haven't parsed. And I do have a, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of people know someone who has been in or who is going in or whatever. But regardless of that, the concept of war itself, right, has all has has boggled my mind for a while now because it's like it's two people in suits have an issue with each other. And so they send hundreds of thousands of other people who are not at all involved to fight and die over it. You know what I mean? As opposed to themselves coming to any sort of reconciliation. And so that is what I find inherently kind of disgusting and demoralizing about about war and about the military and you know it's 
you get people in there who who believe in what they're doing and they believe that they're fighting for their country, but very seldom is that the case. More often you're fighting for someone's private interests that are masked as public and political. Um, yeah. Ali? I was going to say, going back to um, Jude, what you said about like America, like admitting it's wrongdoings, like America doesn't see that as wrong. Like that's what you have to realize. Like they don't think that what they did was wrong. Like, they teach it as, oh, like the Christopher Columbus came over and then all the like indigenous people like died mysteriously and they had like a great Thanksgiving. Like it was great. Like even I used to live in Alabama and we dressed up as pilgrims and then half of the class was Native Americans and we had like Thanksgiving as like a class, like as a school. And it's just like, this is not what happened, but America loves to be like, we're nationalists and anything that says like, oh, like America is bad is like, a freaking terrorist or like creating treason and it's like you have to realize that they truly don't care like they love what they did and i'm pretty sure if we could like go back in time like our start over i feel like they would do the same thing over again like i don't think that they learned a lesson like the majority of white people would still have slaves or well, like that, yeah. do whatever that's 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 why the the slogan make america great again was so successful because <clears throat> while nobody was while nobody was saying this out loud what it meant was go back to when there was there was a clear hierarchy and we knew who was supposed to be where and doing what um at all times zoo i just want to say like adding on to what ollie said like it's called othering. So like once you strip mm. humanity or like yeah. difference somebody from you and call them as an equal, like you can treat them mm -hmm. however you want because they're no longer the same, right? Like white people feel entitled to racism and all these other things because they don't view you as an equal. They view you as subordinate. Um, and so like, how do we get rid of othering? Like that, like those are the questions we need to ask, but like, is there really a way to get rid of othering is also a question to ask. Yeah, yeah. These are these are deep things. Um and and there are obviously, you know, I, I wouldn't advertise anyone to tune in here uh for to hear a solution to um, you know, <laughs> all of America's issues. If only that would really make us Harlem's very own internationally known as if we just solved racism in, in an hour and a half. That's amazing. Uh, get paid for that. I I we would figure it out. We'd have to figure out a way to to get that. Or we'd both be assassinated for doing it, you know. But we'd be martyrs. They would build. They would build a statue for us on one twenty fifth. Um, but uh, winding down now, I do want to. Say... No, 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 no. Put my statue right in front of the White House. <laughs> I winding down now. I want to ask something that maybe is a bit more fun. I just thought of it while we were talking, uh, and this okay. is this is for this is for the two of you. Um, I would like to hear one. Because y'all know more of them than probably I or Jude do. So one politician at any level who you'd who you'd like to fight, and then one <laughs> and then another who you'd like to like have a beer with, get a drink with, go shopping. I'm sorry, real quick. They don't look like they drink beer like that. I get a real like I get a margarita vibe from Zoo. <laughs> and, and um Ali, I'm sorry. This is very stereotypical, but I get a Henny vibe from you. That's she fell back, so it must be accurate. <laughs> Am I right on both? Am I correct? 
It looks like you are. But yeah, one that you would like, one that you that you would like square up with if given the chance, and then also one that you would hang out with. Let's exclude Donald Trump because we all know. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say non-Trump. I would fight Kamala Harris. Period. Point blank. I would fight her. Wow. I'm so sorry. I would definitely. Yeah, it would be bad. That's 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 one of the sound bites. We got it. Right? Isn't that? Oh my god! I'm just playing, y'all. I'm just playing secret service. Don't come to my house. Okay? It's too late, bro. And we're on Zoom. And we're on Zoom. Yo. Everything is after you immediately. They're on your head. Yo, I'll be going to come out with a triangle, my nigga. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's an answer. So who, are you, who, are you, who are you getting your handy with? Who are you taking shots AOC. I feel like even though I'm not like her biggest fan, I feel like she's mad chill. You know, she used to be a bartender. Like, we can have a good time. Like, what's behind that? It'd be cute. It's because every time she talks about AOC, she goes like, when people talk about AOC, she goes like, oh, anyway, like, please find someone else. Because y'all love so to I'm like super her. surprised that like she's sitting here being like, yeah, she's a, she used to be a bartender. Like she can make my drink. Like, let's go. Sh-. I'm really Am surprised. I wrong? I'm, I'm just surprised. I wouldn't talk politics with her. Like she, I would not do that. But you know, we could just That's chill. So we could talk funny. about all type of other stuff. So you, you can would, play Among Us, like it'd be cute. <laughs> play Among Us. So you would duff Kamala Harris. And off the record, yes. Take it off <laughs> the record and take shots with AOC. Okay, Zoo. Um, I I can't pick. I cannot pick only one person for the duffing. I'm sorry, like I gotta pick <laughs> people up. Go like it is what it is. Um, I would beat up Moscow Mitch. Um, and I would. Oh, beat Mitch up McConnell. Mitch McConnell, and why I is he called up- Moscow Mitch? Oh, I call him Moscow Mitch. Sorry. Because he be fucking the Russians. Oh, okay. There, there you go. Um, <laughs> Moscow Mitch and Lindsey Graham, like both of them together, like a good, like, ah, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, just ah, a that double punch, just kind of line them up next to each other line and catch up. them both on the nose. Period. <laughs> I, I feel like that would be a good thing for American history. Did you see uh, those? Did you see Mitch McConnell looks like he was in a fight with like, I don't like. Did you see those photos of him with all those bruises and like his hands taped up and stuff? It's old people. They just, I, this, like he, he's he, 100 years old. He got in a fight with a staircase and, <laughs> and lost by TK. Fight with anybody. Staircase? It was like a, it was one of the curly ones. Like he was falling for a minute. That's I'm what that he was like. tumbling. Yeah. And then the one that you that would get your, your, uh, your margarita with? That's so hard because, like, I was gonna actually was gonna pick AOC because I thought Ali would not pick her. Mm. Um, but I would pick AOC and Ilhan Omar. But I don't know if I knew it. I don't know if girly drinks, but if she does not, we'll give her a nice water. Yeah, Ilhan. Yeah, that's (laughs) I adore Ilhan. I adore her. That's a good one. I, I I knew it. (laughs) He's like. He's like, I can read y'all minds. Jude <laughs> yeah. clocked y'all. He can't even see Ali's face, and he knew what her favorite drink was. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, well, now we know who uh, Just Who Opinionated would um, maybe can't have on their show now. Um, <laughs> and, of course, at HVO, we always like to end on a positive note. So what have been your songs of the week, Jude? 
you know, oh. uh, for those, if you don't know Zuhair and Ali, we'd like to give our guests an opportunity to choose one to three songs that they've been bumping and that they would like to recommend or that they just want to share they've been enjoying. So y'all can take time to look those up. Y'all know the vibes, usually. All right. Um, I'd say one is Back by uh, Jeezy, Eye to Eye from um, uh, the Goofy movie soundtrack with uh, Tevin Campbell. That song is fire. Don't you dare. Don't you dare that song is fire. And um, Tyler Harrow with uh, Jack Harlow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got, I've, been, I've been slowly, steadily getting into Jack Harlow because I think he actually is um, pretty good. Um, I'm going to go with Cupid by Spillage Village with Earth Gang and Lucky Day and that whole mob. Um, it's a pretty fun song. That whole album is, is a lot of fun. Uh, Lockdown, the remix uh, with Anderson Pack, J.I.D., J-Rock, and No Name. That one's fun. It's a, it's a little bit basic, but Hit Different has been hitting different recently. When it first came out, this is a track I was like, okay. But um, it is nice to, to listen to. So, yeah, those are my three. Um, Ali, you got songs for us? Um, Said some remix, you know. Um, but mine is the little baby part. And, yeah. That, <laughs> um, I would say Ariana's Whole Positions album. Got gotcha. you. So that's like, what, 15 songs? Um, I don't think it's that many. And... My last song, maybe "Yikes" by Nicki Minaj. I knew it was the tendency of Ali, just from your, just from your lips. <laughs> like, I know, yo, she throws it down. This <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm so sorry, but like, you are really just not making a good case for yourself. <laughs> no, it's wow, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> um, I'm a Barb's, but I don't have any Barb's songs on my playlist this week. Um. Mm. I would say 3435 by Ariana. Okay. Um, Come Through by Summer Walker. I don't know why. I'm this is a very Walker. specific mood so so far. Those two songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and the <laughs> last song is probably going to be Popstar um, with Drake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, when all else fails, Drake won't. Drake <laughs> um, will not. He is, he is there. That man's got a catalog for the ages. Well, I think that's a wrap for us today, beloveds. I want to, again, thank Just Too Opinionated for joining us. Um, and if you thank want you more you. Uptown Love, you can find our episodes, New and Old, on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Zuhair and Ali, you were great. Um, I hope, I mean, this is, I really enjoyed this episode. I always say every episode kind of becomes my new favorite. Um, and even if this one does seem a little more somber, I think we had great conversation. Um, so I would love to have you both back at some point. Um, and maybe we'll just all go out and get some uh, some Henny shots someday. With, uh, with AOC. <laughs> with AOC. Get her here. Um, Ali's going yes. to get me drunk. I'm <laughs> I feel like Ali can put away more than anyone on this phone call. He can. I, can I mean, I just be mixing everything together and then it tastes like juice and then you're like six shots in. I mean, six shots in. <laughs> Next you know? thing you know. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you on the flip side. 